is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. Thank you for joining us again today. Really exciting to be with you. We have a jam-packed episode, all things technology, health tech, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurism, all the things. And uh, strap yourself in. If you usually listen at one and a half or two times speed, you're probably going to have to slow it down a little bit today because we are going to be jamming it full. I've got another guest joining us, Barry Newen. Barry is a physio, a software engineer, tech founder, is the co-founder of HealthAid and has uh, more stories than you could poke a stick at. I can't wait to uh, pull Barry's journey apart. Barry, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Um, and how are you? Thanks I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Before we get into your story, your journey as physio through to tech and technology land, a couple of standard questions for you. Are you ready to go? Yes. All right. Number one, what are you reading or learning right now? Okay. So two things. I'm reading Masters of Scale by Reid Hoffman. Okay. I found of LinkedIn. So that talks about some of the stories about some of the greatest companies, not necessary for profit as well, social ventures too. Sure. And there's a lot of um, key insights there that I actually come back to some of the books I read because I, I have another view of it actually right. each year. And the second thing I'm learning every day is um, to be a better physio and software engineer. And they're two opposite ends of the uh, career spectrum, right? Yeah, they are. Keeps things interesting. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Okay, number two, who inspires you? There's a range of people, but if we're looking from an entrepreneurial path, there's people who inspire me from their research as well. I'll give you one example on one extreme to the other. So an academic, uh, David Sinclair. Okay. He's a longevity expert, a Harvard professor. He believes that aging is a disease which is very interesting, looking mm. into genes and how we can create new drugs to reverse or even stop aging. Okay. So he's been on various podcasts. Um, uh-huh. And on the other end of the spectrum, I'd say Mr. Elon Musk. So his record is just amazing. His story yeah. is quite amazing too. He's the epitome of today's entrepreneur, really, before Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of lessons you can learn from him. And you might not want his life around five-minute meeting intervals, having, I think, more than six children now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not sure how that work-life balance happens, but he's on a mission to Mars, literally. Yeah. Uh, but it's quite, there's quite a few lessons there, even as a health professional, that I'm learning. I like it. Uh, number three, what did you want to be growing up? Actually, as a kid, I was quite sporty. I loved my soccer. Rolled my ankle a few times and I think my professional career was over before I started. And I love racket sports like tennis, probably because I was brought up in Melbourne where the Australian Open was. And then I wanted to be an engineer. So my dad was a, uh, an auto engineer. So I loved cars, loved technology, loved playing around with gadgets. I was coding a little bit in QBasic when mm. DOS was around. By year 12, I got really good marks. And then the auto industry and manufacturing was crashing in Australia. It still is, I think. And um, my Dad actually goes, advised me against that, find an actually career. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I did physio thinking right. that it was shorter than medicine. I was about to go to Newcastle, actually. Okay. Yeah, right. Off, God's off, God's <laughs> yeah. So um, 
I got offered a few medical interviews and things like that, but then I ended up being physio because I thought it was shorter. <laughs> I thought it was more related to maths and physics. And then I realized it wasn't even about it at all. So it was all about human psychology and stuff. And then by the final year, I was about to drop out, actually. Didn't like the hospital placements. Mm-hmm. I remember clearing a lot of phlegm. A lot of physios end up in private practice, not necessarily because they're drawn to the MSK. They're just drawn away from this. Correct, correct. So that's the I didn't want to be a sports physio and all that glam and stuff. I was just like, hang on. I don't know if I could see myself, you know, <laughs> committing to this profession. So in that year, I had a seizure, like like an entrepreneurial seizure. And we're like, oh, God, I don't know anything about this. And so I made an effort to read 50 personal development books. I was like in another state of mind. You know, I didn't want to finish. And then I met some um, quite big names. One was Jim Penman. So he mm-hmm. runs Jim's Mowing. Because I was young and stupid, essentially, he uh, actually brought me to his office, which was like a school in Moorabark in Melbourne. Right. right. He gave me some tips. He said things can scale. His franchise was smaller back then. Right. But it was quite interesting because he was in base, he was mowing lawns and then he eventually created centralized systems that scaled. And he was showing me how centralizing data and things could have a big impact. And that's where I had my first appreciation of software and its potential augmentation of service industry so then i went back and then first year out i worked in private practice (laughs) like a lot of people who didn't want to work in a hospital did that for a bit and then on the side i I started my own business so um there's still yellow pages books back then right yes those unfamiliar it's a yeah it was a physical phone directory (laughs) yep it's what we used to do uh stepping exercises and things (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) and people would tape them together with um the good old sports tape. <laughs> so basically in that year, the care plans just came out in the GP lab, which is around, oh, physios bulk billing had the potential, but GPs were quite resistant to using that because yeah. there's a lot of paperwork and they all worry about auditing and you know all the red tape around that. So I started calling up clinics, educating them about this, that your, your clients can get free physio. And then eventually um, nearby, after calling about 50 clinics, one would be happy to rent a room to me inside a GP clinic with no hole in the bed, no filing cabinet, no space. And then I started building up my clinic from there and it just blew up a bit. Mm-hmm. And then there was this massive paper trail with no space. So they didn't want to give me any space at all. Uh-huh. One of the dream of the physio back then was to have this space and, you know, this sanctuary with gym and stuff. But I had nothing, just a bit of cream and some tape and some exercise band, essentially. Sure, sure. So um, what I did was I partnered up with one of my high school friends and we actually solved our own issue around a centralized practice management system. I'm not sure if Clinico existed at the time. I didn't think it was. Mm-hmm. I think Core Plus just started about two years or something, one or two years after, Okay, with, yeah. which was one of the first cloud-based systems at the time. So you yeah. just in essence, built your own to solve yeah, it? we built our own scrappy stuff. I think I still got photos of that somewhere. Um, yeah. But we ran it from... a like a server probably wasn't so secure at the time. Didn't know any better. Sure. And um, yeah, we, we actually grew the clinic to 750K within one and a half years. Nice. Just hiring physios, some mates. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then we did a deal with a corporate then in Melbourne. And then I sold out towards the end with a management buyout and some other things. Okay. Yep. And then I realized, oh, wow, there's, um, I'm just going to invest this money. There's so many opportunities and I actually lost it all. Right. All these ideas and startups in a podiatry space. We're doing orthotics. At the time, we had a little lab that produced with a CNC machine and some okay. software. 
Right. Um, that went well for a while until the private health insurance companies closed us down mm-hmm. because we're billing too many um, orthotics. Right. And then... <laughs> so, Barry, I guess the what I'm, what I'm picking up is you went into physio like you wanted to help people and you had a passion for it, but it was always not, it wasn't the sole thing. You were kind of doing some coding on the side here and learning engineering there and a little bit of everything. And, you know, you kind of, like you said, you had a bit of an entrepreneurial seizure as uh, which is a bit of a cliche now, right? But you're always trying new things and, and found a challenge, found a frustration to build a solution, found a problem, build a yep. solution. But that seems like it's been a pattern that's repeated over and over. Yeah, and um, interestingly, most of the solutions failed because they didn't. That one didn't commercialize into the market. How do you handle failure then? You know, like I think about a lot of health professionals, yep. and uh, yep. we're quite risk adverse generally. on multiple fronts. Very difficult because one, we, we generally do well at school in that environment. We're not used to coming last. No, we're not coming. No, we're institutionalized in that way. Mm-hmm. That we want to be high excelling people, perfectionists because of patient safety and we want to help people and not harm them. Sure. So it comes from a great place. It, it does, but it's quite difficult actually. It, at the time, the word entrepreneur was not sexy. The, the word founder, people were like, huh? My parents were like, what are you doing? Like just blowing so much money on these things. Sure. But you need to see it as a lesson and that's another cliche, but you really need to play probability. So what I mean by that is don't go all in. Right. Early. Because if you've gone from a very stable conservative culture to trying to take a risk, you need to be prepared to lose everything. Right. So, so, you, so what's the alternative to all in though? Seeding something. So always spending 10, 20% of your time doing something that's passion, that, that's your passion mm-hmm. that you may lose all the money in, but it's worth doing. So what I mean is it comes from your heart. So basically you wouldn't do startups if you're looking for a quick money or even a 10-year process to become a unicorn, which is a billion-dollar company. Yeah, yeah, sure. So it's almost like that. Seeding ideas, MVP, testing. Doubling. Yep, and do it with friends that you want to have fun with. Right. Make sure it's a discipline. So every week you meet, one hour a week, yeah, now on Zoom meeting, mm-hmm. catching up, doing ideas, testing. And it's so easy to test now more than mm-hmm. ever before in history. Mm. Facebook, you can do A-B split testing ads. You can use your own database at your clinic around email, list marketing. You can create a landing page within like five minutes these days. You don't need to code websites anymore. That's a good point. I want to pull on that thread. I know that there's a lot of clinicians, clinic owners that maybe have ideas or want to dabble in tech space, but they don't have the skill set. They don't know anything about code or don't know how to tackle even, you know, what might be considered basic or, or fundamentals in the tech world. So I know, you know, none of us are born knowing tech. You've got to learn it. And I believe that was part of your journey. You decided, well, I need to learn tech. Tell us about that. Right. So um, I invested a lot of money, as I said, in different MVP developments. I built things that I thought people wanted, but people didn't want. That makes sense. So just because you're solving a problem, okay? As a physio, you think that's a social problem. I'm going to solve it. So I'm going to build this for it. Doesn't necessarily mean people will pay for it. Doesn't necessarily mean you're solving the the problem better than other people. So you need to do a lot of self-reflection. Firstly, I'd say you need to know who you are. You need to know your story. You need to know why you ended up where you are now by Mm -hmm. connecting the dots backwards, which is the hardest bit. 
Because once you know that, then all of a sudden your story, when you pitch to an investor or a co-founder or a colleague or a customer becomes very authentic, right? And you can't spin anything on people these days. It's very hard. And you got to work out almost what your strengths are, what your experiences are, and why do you think you should be the one building this widget or this MVP and no one else? Mm -hmm. Why is it you? And you need to be in a happy mood. You can't be in a mentally negative or problematic area. You need to solve all your mental problems first. Right. You go into it. Uh, that's one big thing. Because if you don't, you're not going to persist through and you'll probably damage more relationships and waste money and time than anything. Oh. You need to get your, your family, your income, everything in order first. Mm-hmm. Because we're not at uni anymore where you can drop out and then there's no risk. Sure. I'm, I'm guessing most of your viewers or audience have things that they can lose, which could be a big problem. Sure. So yeah. you need to be in super order and you need to make sure your wife and you need to have gratitude. We talked about that earlier, mm. about that you're grateful about where you are now. It's this mindset that people get wrong. You don't do it because you're in pain and you're about to lose all the money. You don't do a startup that you're asking for trouble. I've seen so many problems that in that situation. Yeah. You need to be in a good place. You need not be wishfully thinking. You need not be delusional. Really good. It's really good advice. And I know you you seem to tell us, Barry, like you've always been trying to solve problems for yourself, but there's always been a bigger play. You know, I know you played a, a big role in the APA, the Australian Physio Association, and there's involvement in projects beyond yourself. Where does that come from or, or talk us through that? Okay. So, I mean, no offense to the best physios in the world or what you do for your community at all. So as a physio, I found it relatively limiting. Um, for what I want to do, where my heart is to just serve one person at a time every right. half an hour or so. I also found it relatively limiting if you don't want to do it to manage or lead a team as a clinic. Not everyone wants to do that. Sure. Yep. Not everyone likes the HR issues, all the stuff that you guys talk not about. Not everyone's cut out for being a clinic. Owner. I'm not cut out for that at all, right? So I had that choice then. So basically my method which I found um, one of someone I read, his name's um, Naval Ravikant. He's a guy that founded AngelList and he's also a personal development mentor. Mm-hmm. He talked about there's two ways in the new world where you can scale your expertise. Firstly, you need to free yourself from the material world. Then you go into the spiritual world. If you can't free yourself from the material world, then what I've talked about before, you, you can't develop the rest of your life. Sure. Very difficult. Because you're just pulling on these strings. So you basically said two main things where the cost stays the same when you can actually scale yourself. There's only two things. Number one is producing content, which is what you're doing here. <laughs> because it doesn't cost more and you can get more value and reach. And the second one was coding. I mean, he's talking 10 years or like five or 10 years ago. Sure. These days you can get no code platforms too. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? So and it's pretty straightforward to do that. And there's also, you can outsource things for pretty cheap to do MVPs and proof of concepts. So from that, I took that as, okay, so how do I scale myself as a physio? How do I scale my personal story? How do I scale my interest in engineering? How do I scale my interest in physio and health and helping people based on where I'm at? I've got a family. I don't have time to massage, mob, mm-hmm. exercise more patients. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to sit and lead a team in a clinic mm-hmm. from COVID it's transformed my life to the point where I need time where I can re- work remotely from home. So I can sure. drop kids off at school, 
what does Barry do to make a dent in the world and make a difference? Yep. So in that sense, I'm, I'm looking to build a digital business which scales. And at the moment, HealthAid is an email CRM system and a content system for GP clinics. So we serve 200,000 patients in GP clinics at the moment. We make it easy for them to produce email newsletters about chronic pain, about whatever it is to make sure they get more engagement outside of the clinic, very basic. And then my my startup in that, I mean, that's a startup, but there's another startup in that. You know how I was saying that 10, 20% risky. Yeah. We're looking at developing like a Udemy or masterclass for peak health. So democratizing elite health information where you, a lot of the more wealthy people may pay a lot of money just okay. to get yeah. some advice to get that 2%, 1% improvement in their health. Mm-hmm. And I think that's related to my story, given how many things I do. So yeah. I want to find out how to live a better life, not necessarily live longer, yeah. but more productive life at my peak with less sleep mm-hmm. and higher levels of focus. I want to find what the best practices are there. And that's what I want to share to the world around that. And physios, for example, have a big part to that too. Yeah, sure. Um, and all and health professions, right? All health professionals, yeah. Um, from sleep physicians to longevity experts to podiatrists to dietitians. There's a lot of misinformation out in the world at the moment on YouTube and the rest of it and the anti-vaxxer movement and the rest of it. That's a real social problem. But where we think, how I was talking before about who is willing to pay for this, mm. I'd say the worried well. I'd say people who are already active that just want to get that little edge, which is interesting. Mm. And eventually, like the Tesla model, it will um, propagate to more people. Yeah, right. So you've got Health Aid, which is, uh, like I said, a CRM for for GPs and dabbling with this education platform as well. Are you, you're still a physio though, right? Yeah, I am. I love being a physio because I see my patients now as my mates because I've been doing it for 15 years. I looked uh-huh. at last of my consults. I've done over 25,000 consults now as mm-hmm. a physio. It's kind of a thing that brings me back to earth. Keeps you connected, boots on the grounds. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I, I can't answer that question now, but mm-hmm. I think it keeps me real. Mm-hmm. Being in the digital world in front of code all the time is not an idea of me of you know producing fulfilling, high quality relationships. I like that face to face, hands on. I think there's things I'm still learning as a physio, mm-hmm. non clinical too. The biggest thing I've learned as a physio is time management, about how much you can do for a patient within a limit of time. Right. And hopefully I can take that to another level where I can manage more. Mm. I'm also learning a lot from some of my clients. How did you get to that decision? Because I think there's a lot of clinicians that maybe get to five, ten years into their career and want to change careers. They either want to go purely into business or maybe down tech or maybe the dark side of, you know, insurance or medicine or- How did you decide to not throw the physio baby out with the bathwater? You've kept your foot in both camps. That's a very interesting question. I think I've got no choice because I've built a reputation around my community. It pays my kids' school fees. and So it's good cash from a pragmatic perspective. Yeah, it's very stable. It's not stressful. Mm-hmm. It's very much a lifestyle business to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not managing 10 staff that turn over you know, every sure. year. I charge okay, and then when when I'm doing consulting gigs, I can just reduce my time. Mm-hmm. So I found it the most privileged job, one of the most privileged jobs in the world to be a physio, actually, mm. because I, I, my, my time is completely flexible. 
I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. go in the middle of the day and play a game of golf. I can mm-hmm. have a hit at the tennis court with some of my friends or some of the doctors that I work with, you know, midday. I can go for a run along the beach because I'm based, based in St Kilda. I, I think it's hard to give it up. I think there's a lot to that job yeah. over time that I've um, pr- appreciated, which I didn't. As I said, in final year physio, I was like, I hate yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, like you say, it yeah. keeps you yeah. keeps you grounded and connected to your patients. But I know that well, it seems to me that through your journey of staying yeah. connected, whether that's through your association or now through the GPs and medical yeah. practices, it's enabled you to take the next business yeah. step because you've stayed connected, right? Absolutely. I wouldn't be able to do this with my health aid company if I wasn't a physio anymore because I don't think they'll trust me as much anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you need that personal relationship. You that's need really- to be in touch with them as a clinician because that's their identity. Mm-hmm. And that's how we both like relate to each other because we're both trained as physios or we're both trained to serve patients one-on-one. Mm-hmm. I think if you lose that completely, sometimes they think you've sold your soul to somewhere else. Sure. They end up talking to you as a tech founder rather yeah, than a health colleague. Yeah, and you, you don't really want that even at the highest level where we talk to a venture capitalist because it's not authentic anymore. It's yeah. like you're leaving the profession, but you're trying to make money from the profession. Mm. You're spinning stuff to me like you've got deep domain experience, but you don't mm-hmm. because you're not even practicing as a physio. Mm. How, how do you understand the, you know, the administrative and clinical and service pain points around being a physio if you just dropped out of physio, you did an MBA, and mm. now you're doing startup. Now you're saying you're a health industry expert. That doesn't quite flow to me personally. I'm still trying to work that out, but I think it comes down to authenticity. It comes down to your identity. Mm-hmm. And if you love what you're doing, it will show. You don't have to sell anything. You're like, I'm just testing this out with my patients as well or the GPs you deal with and or the specialists. And, yeah, and I've held on to that relationship and it's done me. It's paid dividends for me. Yeah. Without even knowing it. But yeah, I hope, I hope that sort of clears things up. Oh, I'm still on a journey myself. So I'm not 100% sure where that's going to take me. Sometimes that all in approach is dangerous, particularly when you're a bit older. Mm-hmm. And I think there's nothing wrong with being a physio and there's ways you can design your career or your schedule as a physio to make sure it works for you and your family. That's really good insights, mate. I really appreciate it. And I know that'll resonate with a bunch of the listeners around not betting the farm and uh, and managing those relationships. And uh, and so I think that's that's really insightful. And no doubt the audience, clinic owners, will get plenty out of that. So, mate, if people want to check out more of what you're doing, connect with you offline, online, somewhere else, uh, what's some of the best ways that we can do that? Yeah, I'm probably best through LinkedIn. They can look me up on LinkedIn or they can... Uh- Email me at barry at healthaid.co. And we'll, what we'll do, we'll make sure we link all those up in the show notes over at clinicmastery.com slash podcasts. We'll pop your website, your email address, LinkedIn, all that stuff over there for you. Yeah, no worries. Perfect. Well, mate, thank you for joining us. It's been really, uh, really helpful and really insightful. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, As always, really appreciate your time and attention. Head over to clinicmastery.com slash podcast, as I mentioned, for all the links from today's episode. And I can't wait to be with you again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, 
head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.